This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, uh, a man once came to visit Chazoynish and he brought along his little son. And his little son was getting very bored of the adult conversation at the table. So there was a coin on the table, and the kid started to play with the coin. And before he knew it, the coin was in the kid's mouth, the kid swallowed the coin. And everyone was panicking. The kid saw the coin, I mean, I'm sure you've had it, your kid swallows the coin, you got to go to the emergency room. Chazonish is calm, cool, and collect. He says, what's the big deal? We'll call the Panovich Huh? Yeah, he could get money out of anybody. The father laughed so loud, the kid laughed so loud, he coughed up the coin. Ki besimcha seitzeyu, Reb Chaim Kanievsky said. Simcha takes care of everything. We know, you know, fundraising, people think, you know, there's Torah, there's Avoida, and there's fundraising. Fundraising is chayl. No, fundraising is kodesh. You know the story. There was turbulence on the airplane. And uh, the last thing you want to hear when you're on the airplane is the flight attendant said, okay, nobody should be stressed, but uh, we're experiencing turbulence. If there are any religious leaders on the plane, please do something religious. So the priest gets up, he recites psalms. The rabbi got up and he made a very fervent appeal. (laughs) Every Motsoy Shabbos, we make Havdalah, we say La Yehudim, we could quote any Pasuk in Tanakh as a Pasuk of Yeshua on Matzah Shabbos. Why Dafka a Pasuk from Megillah Esther? Why every Matzah Shabbos do we invoke Megillah Esther? Not only that, we say, Moreover, Beis Yosef writes in Simon Reit Sadivav, you're talking about the Dalin Minim. Actually, I remember I used to come with my grandfather, Rab Shimon Hirschvang, every year to buy the Dalin Minim from the Rav. So I haven't been, been here in many years, but it's a pleasure to be back here. Beis Yosef writes that in the Besomim you should put Hadassim. It's You should put Hadassim in Besomim. The Remez is Shoimer Shabbos Mechaloloi, Besomachlei. It's interesting that Matzoi Shabbos, you're smelling the Hadassim because of the juxtaposition of the word Hadas to Shomer Shabbos, but we all know the Gemara Megillah Darshan's the Pasik. Tachas Hasirpad Yale Hadas is referring to Esther. So another connection to Purim in Havdalah. Furthermore, Sam Soifer writes in the Drashais the two Nerois of Havdalah are a Semel. It's interesting. Every Matzai Shabbos, here it is. Shabbos is over. It could be the middle of the winter, middle of the summer. Purim could be in 11 months. We reenact the Purim story. Every Matzai Shabbos. La Yehudim Haisa Oira, Vesimcha, Vesasa, and Vikar, Kentiyalanu. We remember Esther. We remember Mardachai. What's the connection between Purim and Havdalah? Another interesting thing, the Gemara tells us that Mordechai suggested Mishteh, the Simcha, the Yamtaif. 
Mordechai wanted Purim to be a Yamtiv. Says the Gemara later on, the Psukim say, Suda Matanas Yamtif Says the Gemara, Yamtif Kiblu Alayu. They said, thanks but no thanks. We don't want Purim to be a Yamtif. We could give out Mishlaiach Manas. We could listen to the Megillah. We don't want a Yamtif. They don't want a Yamtif. Who wouldn't want an extra Yamtif? Kaiso doesn't want a Yamtif. Why did Klal Yisrael refuse to accept Purim as a Yamtif? So I want to bring to your attention a question on the Megillah. This is a very important question. I think this question will open up for us a new Pesach, not only to understand Megillah's Esther, but to understand Jewish history in general. From the time of the Megillah, Ad Hayoy The second to last pasuk. Anybody know how in English? Anyone know how to say second to last in English? Penultimate. Very good. Does anybody know how to say third to last? Anti-penultimate. The third to last pasuk of Megillah Esther, the beginning of Parak Yud. Achashurosh taxed the people. Okay, very nice. Why is that in the Megillah? Why is the Megillah telling me that Achashurosh taxed the people? I care that Achashurosh taxed the people. I have enough taxes to worry about in the United States of America. The Megillah has to end off, like this is the climax of the Megillah, that Achashurosh taxes the people. Especially in light of the fact that the very next Pasuk is V'chomasei Sakpay G'vurasoi Farashas G'zulas Mardachai Asher Gidlai HaMelech you want to know the history, the palace intrigue, the, the context? Wrong book. You got the wrong book. You got to go to the Chronicles of Persian media if you want to know the rest of the story. Says Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky, the second to last Pasuk in the Megillah is articulating the most important Yesoid of the Megillah. And that is, this document was written for one reason and one reason only. Pursue Nisa. Hashkacha Pratis. If that's the case, why does the Megillah say, Vayosem HaMelech HaChashverosh Mas Al HaOretz V'Iyei Hayam. By the way, this is the Kasha of the Briskarov. And if we may, I would like to offer an original approach to answer this question that will completely revolutionize our understanding of the Megillah. There are many, many examples in the Megillah. I'm going to share with you two. So in the beginning of the story, Achzeresh has a problem with his wife. Vashti's not listening to him. And he does the most bizarre thing you could possibly do. He asks the advice of his assembly. The king asks the Yoideho Itim. Now this is not America in 2023. This is Persia. I assume even today, if somebody doesn't listen to the guy in Iran, she's not the wife anymore. He moves on to someone else. Probably every Monday and Thursday, there's a new chasana over there. And I can imagine 2,000 years ago, if the wife doesn't listen to the Achashverosh, she's finished. Why all of a sudden Achashverosh became a big liberal, and Achashverosh is asking the advice of Chachomim Yoidei Hoitim? Says the Goin, the Pasuk explains. Ki chen devar ha-melech. 
the law in Persia was, Devar HaMelech, that he calls all the shots, he makes unilateral decisions. That is, if it's not Noigea, him. But if it's Noigea, the Melech, Kichen Devar HaMelech. If it's Noigea, the Melech, then he has to, Lufnei Kol Yoidei He has to present it to the assembly. Really? If that's the law, fast forward to the end of the story. So Haman takes a misstep with Esther. And Achshosh comes back into the room. And Achshosh is enraged. He's fuming. So Achshosh says, what about the tree? So Achshosh says, Achshosh, hang him. What do you mean hang him? What happened to Kichin Devar HaMelech? Why doesn't he present this to the assembly of Persia media and ask them advice? The answer is, says the Goin, there was a new legislation in Persia media. So Mamuchan had a great idea, a brilliant idea. What was Mamuchan's idea? Listen to this. Yitzay Dvar Malchus Milafanov says the Goyim. Mamuchan suggested that from now on, he said, Achishes, what kind of inane law is it that you can't make your own decision? You're the king of the world, you're Melech Bekipa. Why don't we change the law in Persian media? From now on, Yetzay, Dvar Malchus, Milofanov, you call all the shots. Memuchan changed the law. He legislated. From now on, Ahasuerus calls all the shots. Why? So if you look in Targum Sheni, because Haman had a daughter. Haman wanted his daughter to marry Ahasuerus. And therefore he wanted a knock off Vashti. But Targum Sheni says, Hashem made a miracle. And a reach ram oid emanated from Mipiha. And they didn't invent Listerine yet. And uh, it wasn't a Shidduch. So Memuchan is the one who legislates in Persia. Then Achazur called that. Thank you, Memuchan. Who's Memuchan? Memuchan is Haman. Haman dug his own grave. Haman thought he was advancing his own cause. But Hashem turned the table. He used that legislation of Memuchan, so that when Charvona suggests, Gam so Achashosh could say, Tulu Alav. This is summed up in the Gemara in Masech to Megillah in three words. V'haman ba lachatsar beis ha-melech ha-chitsoyna le-mar la-melech l'sloyse s'mar d'chai al ho-eitz asher heichin loy. That Haman was coming to hang Mordechai on the tree, literally, he prepared for him. And the Gemara is bothered. Obviously, Haman's preparing it for Mordechai. Taiches the Gemara, Tana loy heichen. He wasn't preparing it for Mordechai. He was preparing it for himself. He thought he was making the gallows for Mordechai. He was really making the gallows for himself. This is the Yisoyed of Megillah Esther. It's not just Hashem takes the Russia and is Hefarza Esatzosoy. We're going to say in Bimei Mordechai the Esther also, Bikilkalta Esmachshavtoy. Hashem corrupts the plan, He hijacks the plan, He co opts the plan, and He uses every machination of Haman to backfire against Him.
I just want to tell you something personal about the story. This is a little bit of a distraction, but I can't, I have to get it off my chest. You know, I grew up that the most important thing in the story is that Vashti grew a tail. Right? That's like, and right after that, Vashti grew a tail. And I saw Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz, I'm telling you, I was devastated. Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz says that Vashti didn't actually grow a tail. What happened? It says Zonov, Lashon of Zonov. In the Gemara, there's a Machlekes that is an Isha created Shnei Partsufim, and Hashem separated, or is it Zonov? So Rabbi Yonis and Ibishitz teaches Zonov is the Shita that Hashem created Chava from the Tzela. According to the Shita, Hashem created Chava from the Tzela. The Gemara says that a woman has to be a Tzanua because she created from a Makan Tzanua. Says Rabbi Yonasan Ibishitz, when the Gemara says that Vashti grew a tail, it means Hashem engendered in Vashti the Midav Tzniyos, so she didn't want to come out. And I have to tell you, I was mamish heartbroken. Vashti didn't grow a tail? I mean, Hayitachin, I grew up, this was like one of the most important things. That Vashti grew, and now Rabbi Yonis and Ibishit says, Vashti, so it's a mitzvah liyashev. Right, Rav? It's a mitzvah liyashev. How could it be that it, Vashti didn't grow, she had to have a tail. So you want to hear this chiddush? I'll tell you a little story. It's Maisa Shehaya. The Medrash tells us about a Yid who fell on hard times. And he had no possessions, so he needed to sell his cow. So he sold the cow. And the problem was the buyer didn't know what to do with the cow because the cow wouldn't work on Shabbos. Because the, the cow got so used to not working on Shabbos. So the guy, he took a baseball bat, he clubbed the cow over the head, he smacked the cow. The cow would not work on Shabbos. So he goes back to the owner, he said, you sold me a lemon, what kind of cow is this? A crazy cow. So the guy says, that. Ah. Let me have a word with the cow. So he whispers in the cow's ear, Look, it's not even a chumrah not to work on Shabbos. You're owned by a guy now. Now you have to work on Shabbos. So the cow started to work on Shabbos. So the guy says, I don't understand. Are you a mechashif or something? What do you tell the cow? He said, Don't worry. I just explained to the cow. Now the cow's allowed to work on Shabbos. The guy was so inspired by this act of Shmira Shabbos of the cow. The guy converted. And the, the Psikta says, and until today we say over Divrei Torah from this guy, he became the Tana Rabbi Yochanan ben Toirasa. Who was this cow? Says Ramami Pano. This cow was the Gilgal of Vashti. Because Vashti made Benois Yisrael work on Shabbos, she was Nisgalgel as the cow. Baruch Hashem. In the end of the day, Vashti really had a tail. And this is the true tale of Vashti's tale. I just thought I had to tell you that. Okay. Let's come back to the end of the story. So I was going to say for Ezra. And in Sefer Ezra, Perak Vav, we read about Klal Yisrael returning to rebuild the second base of Mikdash. And at the time, the king of Persia was Daryavesh, Darius. And he gives Rishus for Klal Yisrael to rebuild the second base of Mikdash. 
And Klal Yisrael says, you know, it's very nice, we don't have the funds. So he says, I don't know, so do a charity campaign, raise it, no, it wasn't invented yet. So Darius says, you know what, I'll do you a favor. I'll open up my storehouse of the taxes and I will give you money to rebuild the second Beis HaMikdash. And I ask you friends, where do you think Daryavish got all that tax money from? To build the Bayasheni. So look how the Purim story has come full circle. The story begins, Achashverosh is having a Suda. What's he celebrating at the Suda? That the seven years are over and the base of years is not built, it will never be rebuilt. By the end of the story, he's raising taxes, then he dies, Daryavish inherits all the taxes. And it goes to build the second Beis HaMikdash. So the story begins, Achashverosh is celebrating what he thought was the eternal destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. By the end of the story, Achashverosh has become the chief fundraiser to build the second Beis HaMikdash. Let's take it a step further. The story begins, Achashverosh thinks he's making a party to celebrate the eternal destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, and the Rebbe Hashem is laughing at him. The Rebbe Hashem is saying, you think this party is celebrating the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash? At this party, you're going to call Vashti. She's not going to listen. You're going to knock her off. You're going to marry Achash, uh, Esther. You're going to have Daryavash. This party will cause the second Beis HaMikdash to be rebuilt. Achashverosh thought he was celebrating the destruction of the bias. It was a suda to celebrate the future binyan of the Bayashini. If you think that this is an isolated manner of hashkacha, you just have to open up your eyes and look throughout history how the Riban Shalom operates. We could look no further than Moshe Rabbeinu. Where does Moshe Rabbeinu grow up, says the stipler? Paroi gets official word that the Jewish Savior is going to be born on a specific day. So Paroi made a decree called Haben Ha'iloid Ha'yo'ira Tashlichu. So on that day they threw in Jewish babies, Gentile babies into the river. Paroi thought he was going to put an end to Moshe Shel Yisrael. Moshe is laughing. You think you're going to put an end to Moshe Shel Yisrael? Your Gezerah, you know what's going to happen? This baby is going to be thrown into the Nile. Your own daughter is going to pick him out of the Nile. Bring him into your palace. Who do you think rocked Moshe Rabbeinu to sleep when Vasya needed a break? Dad, you know, would you mind rocking the baby to sleep? Who do you think paid for Moshe's formula? Paroi put the bill on his American Express card. Who groomed Moshe Rabbeinu? Says Ibn Ezra. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu have to grow up by Paroi? Why couldn't he grow up among Klal Yisrael? Says Ibn Ezra, if Moshe would have grown up among Klal Yisrael, he would have had a slave mentality, a low morale. He never would have been a Melech. Moshe was Melech Yisrael. How did he have Tachsisei Malchus? Paroi trained him. Without Paroi, there would be no Moshe Kibel Toyer Misinai. <coughs> Paro, you think you're going to cause the end of Mashiach Shal Yisrael? Without you, there wouldn't be Mashiach Shal Yisrael. 
You ever hear of the Lakewood Yeshiva? You know who built Lakewood? Yeah, I know. You're going to say Rabbi Aaron Cutler. It goes back a few hundred years. So there was a king and a queen. They were going on a mission of reconquesta, conquering the entire Iberian Peninsula, ridding it from Muslim infidels, eradicating any vestige of Judaism so there should never be a haven and a home for the Jewish people. And that decree went into effect August 2nd, 1492, Tisha And they get a knock on the door. What do you want now, Christopher? I have a great idea. We're going to expand Spanish influence throughout the world. What, you only want to rule over the Iberian Peninsula? Christopher says, let's, let's expand Spanish power. We're going to discover America. Yeah, what do you want from us? I want you to pay for it. Who financed the discovery of America? Ferdinand and Isabel. We have documents of a cabin boy whose ship was leaving the port on August 2nd, 1492. And he writes that on Tisha B'Av 1492, as he left the port in Spain, he waved at the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria that was set to, set to leave Friday, August 3rd. Christopher Columbus left the harbor Friday, August 3rd. The bill was foot by Ferdinand and Isabella. The Yvonne Shem is laughing. You're going to put an end to Jewish haven? Watch this. You're going to pay to discover the greatest Jewish haven the world ever has ever seen. I hope I could say this. In 1948, the Jewish people were losing the War of Independence. There's a fact. Stalin, the greatest butcher in the history of the world, he made Hitler look okay. Stalin killed 20 million of his own people. Maybe we'll see if we have time for the whole story. Stalin got in his mind... That he doesn't like the Brits in the Middle East, they're democratic. And Israel, they'll be socialists, so probably they'll be communist. So Stalin funded the War of Independence. If, without Stalin, there would be no mere yeshiva in Yushalayim. Not only that, Stalin sent Russian troops to fight the War of Independence. It's a fact. The Rebbeinu says, I don't need to knock off the Russia. I don't need to knock off a Haman, a Paroi, a Stalin. Give me enough credit that I don't need your man in the White House or your Prime Minister to bring about Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. Don't we say, Ein lanu melech goyel ela ota? So the Talmidim of the Goyen say, most notably Rabbi David Tevel, that the way the Rebbein Shalom likes to work is the Rebbein Shalom says, you give me the Russia, you give me his plan, and I will bring Yeshua's through his plan of annihilation. Because otherwise, you can't see me in the Galas. The clearest demonstration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world is this manner of Hashkacha called Aloetz Asher Heichen Loi Tana Loi Heichen. Okay, you're a good audience. I'm going to tell you the end of the story.
After 1948, Stalin got really angry because Ben-Gurion, instead of becoming communist, was currying favor with America. So he, he flipped on a dime. And Stalin built railroad tracks to kill between 2 and 4 million Jews in Russia. He built the tracks, he built the concentration camps, and the plan was set to go into effect on March 6th, 1953, 50 years, 70 years ago to the day. 70 years ago. People think that Germany invented systematic extermination of Jewish people. No, Russia invented it. They, were, they just weren't that good at it. The Germans were much more efficient. The, uh, Stalin was going to exterminate whatever Jews remained that Hitler didn't knock off. He accused six doctors of poisoning hospitals and the uh, patients in the hospital. There were trumped up charges. The Gezeiro was set to go into motion March 6th. To, uh, 1953, they were going to be taken to Siberia. It was between negative 75 and negative 95 degrees there. That's cold. They couldn't survive there more than a few days. Purim that year came out on Shabbos. That uh, came out Matzoi Shabbos. That Matzoi Shabbos Purim, Rabbi Yitzchak Zilber was reading the Megillah to a bunch of inmates in one of the camps. And after he read the Megillah, he said, Rabbi, said, do you hear the story? We, there was a Stalin 2,000 years ago. And there was a Gezeira, La Hashmid, La Abed. And the Rebbe Shalom, Keherafayin, changed our faith. It could happen today. And there was a guy there who said, Rabbi, what are you telling us? Fairy tales of what happened 2,000 years ago. Everybody knows Stalin is strong like an ox. Whatever he plans, he executes. Nobody stands in his own. He's already killed 20 million of his own citizens. Rabbi Yitzchak Zilber said he's a basar vadam. A basar vadam doesn't know what will be even in 30 minutes. This was at 7.50 p.m. Matzai Shabbos, Purim 1953. At 8.23 on the button, Stalin stroked out. Out of nowhere. He was strong like an ox. He had no health issues. At 8.23, Stalin stroked out. Thousands of Jewish prisoners just walked out of jail. They rushed to bring Stalin a doctor. They were all incarcerated because of Stalin's doctor's plot. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilber said he had a moral dilemma. Are you allowed to say Tehillim that someone should drop dead? He, he quickly paskined, yes. And he said the Tehillim again and again and again and again until March 5th, the day before the decree was supposed to go into effect. Stalin died one day before, 70 years ago. A modern day Purim miracle. Now earlier, Stalin got angry at the president of Czechoslovakia who allowed 100,000 Jews to escape to Israel. Stalin got so angry at him that he got scared and he, he assassinated his entire government. This Godwill, I think his name was, came to Stalin's Levaya. At Stalin's Levaya on March 5th, Godwill, the president of Czechoslovakia, stroked out and died on the spot. So at the Levaya, the two greatest Rishom in the world were laid to rest. 
They should have a lichtige Gehenim. March 6th, the Gezerah never went into effect. The Rebbe Hashem used Stalin for what he needed. He, he helped us in the war. He funded the war. He financed the war. He provided the soldiers. And then he's done with. Says Rabbi David Tevel, give the Rebbe more credit than needing your man in office to bring Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. We get so caught up Who's our man? Who's it going to be? And of course we do our hashtadlis. But at the end of the day, Ein Lanu Melech Goyel Ela'ata. Says Maral, why was Esther chosen to be the Goyel Yisrael? Okay, very nice. It's a nice midah. It's a nice midah. But that's what brings Gula Ela'ilam. Says Maral, the Rebbe Hashem is looking only for one thing. The Rebbe Hashem doesn't need any help. He just needs us to be makir, that it's Him. Someone who when they say a Dvar Torah, they say, it's not me, I heard it from them. So they know how to deflect credit. So when the Rebbe Hashem brings Geula, and they say, Esther, thank you for being the Goyal, she'll say, it's not me, it's the Rebbe Hashem. That's all the Rebbe Hashem is looking for. Moshe Rabbeinu, his name is not in the Haggadah. Why? Because that's why he was Moshe Rabbeinu. So let's not forget, the Rebansham's name is not in the Megillah, because Rebansham wants us to recognize very clearly, Ein Lanu Melech Goyel Ela Ata. It's only him. It's all him. We should be Zoycha, as we mentioned. Talk about fundraising. The fundraising comes. The Rebansham can have Achashverosh fundraise. The question is, are you going to have a yad in it? Are you going to have a zechus in it? It's interesting, the Kavna Rav said, anyone who's mishtatef in the binyan of a Beis HaKnesses is guaranteed tchiyas hamesim. Why? Because the Mashiach comes, the binyan will go to Eretz Yisrael. So panam chadosh is bolkan, it's going to need a Chanukah Sabayis. You can't have a Chanukah Sabayis if the binyanim are not there. Says the Kavna Rav, he's mavtiach, Anyone who's mishtatef, bebinyan, beis hakneses, is guaranteed tchiyas hamisim. So we should all be zoicha to do whatever we can for binyan, beis hakneses, binyan, beis hamedrash, to recognize in lanu melech goyel ela ata, and we should be zoicha to all the hashpois of the yomtif of Purim Habalenu Latoiva that Rizal says that the R of Purim is an R that never was in the entire creation. We should be zoicha only to Shefa Bracha Vatslacha, Simchas Nachab, Suras Taivais, Abiyas Gal Tzedek, Mehervi Aminu, Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.